0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash specialoffer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With
1: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary Boy, we're prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the official bank of the 2019 tony awards city national bank helps broadway perform at the highest levels from business to personal banking they are your single financial source. City National is a strategic financial provider who understands and supports the Broadway community. And they're part of the Royal Bank of Canada, which is another name you can trust. City National Bank is the way up for Broadway. Find out how they can help you on your way up at CNB.com. That's CNB.com. City National Bank member FDIC is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. Welcome to StageCraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'm talking to Rosemary Harris. She's an actress who's downright legendary among theater fans, beginning her career in 1948 and going on to become a major stage name in both the U.S. and the U.K. Here in the States, she made her Broadway debut in 1952 in The Climate of Eden and went on to be nominated for Tonys ten times since then, winning in 1966 for her performance as Eleanor of Aquitaine in The Lion in Winter. On TV, she won an Emmy for her work in the BBC series Notorious Woman, and in film, she was nominated for an Oscar for the 1994 movie Tom and Viv. Plus, she played Peter Parker's Aunt May in director Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Now she's back on Broadway as Henry Higgins' mother in Lincoln Center Theater's Broadway revival of My Fair Lady, And in just a few weeks, she'll pick up a 2019 Special Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in the Theater. She's here in the studio with me to tell us about working on Broadway now and how it compares to Broadway then. Hi, Rosemary. Thanks for joining me. Um, Congratulations on your Tony Award.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very happy about it.
0: What did you think when it was first announced?
1: Oh uh, well, I was told a few days before, mm. so uh, but I had to keep it quiet, secret because I mustn't let the secret out. I was thrilled a bit. Yeah. I wanted to tell everybody and yeah. stop, stop <laughs> them in the street and say, "I want to tell you something," but I I had to keep quiet about it. So I was very sad,
0: very thrilled. Yeah. Does it? How does does it mean something different to you? being sort of for your body of work as opposed to just one show for. Well, it's wonderful
1: one. in one way because my daughter Jennifer Ely, yes, Gen- this is Jennifer Ely, as you know, listeners will um, recognise. She has two Tonys. Oh, she'd outpaced you.
0: She'd- <laughs>
1: <laughs> she has one for each side of the mantelpiece. Indeed. And now I can hold my head up because now, because I got mine a hundred years ago. I, well, it, no, <laughs> well it was, this was it was a long, long. This was time for gone. the line
0: in Winter, we should and, say.
1: And you know, it wasn't even on a on a plinth. Oh no? No, what? it was before television. Oh. And I just looked at it the other day and it's in a white box and I opened the box which is beginning to look rather sort of <laughs> ancient and there <laughs> it was lying there in white velvet and there it was and it looks like it could be used as a paperweight okay. you know because it's quite heavy yeah. but it is quite unique in the the, the engraver he got carried away <laughs> he got carried away with the Rs Oh. In my name, oh. so as we know, there are two R's in Rosemary, yep. and then there are two R's in Harris, yes. and then underneath it, Rosemary Harris, it said dramatic star. So he got the R in dramatic, but when he got to star, he couldn't help himself, but he put two R's.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I am a, I am a dramatic star.
0: With two R's, that's correct.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he just. He just couldn't stop doing art. It's a bit like Charlie Chaplin in modern times. Uh-huh. You remember he can't stop um, oh, right, of course. Yeah, yeah with the... stop, um, screwing up yeah, buttons the, and things. Yeah, the, you know, so backwards. it's quite unique. I think I shall auction it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Where do you keep it?
1: I don't know. I just found it the other okay. day. <laughs>
0: And where will you keep the new one, which will be on a place, presumably? Well,
1: if I had a mantelpiece, which I have in North Carolina, I don't have one up here, but Mm. it would go on my mantelpiece. I'm very proud of it. But at the moment, I think it's here in New York, but it's in a white box and it's on a bookcase. But I I just did happen to see. I was, was that box i looked the other day and i said oh, oh it's my tony I yeah. love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what has broadway meant to you over the course of your career how do you think of it
1: Is oh it a... it's shangri la okay. it was hollywood and broadway were, and when i grew up as a little girl of course i didn't know about broadway when i was very small but mm. i certainly knew about hollywood because sure. i went to all those hollywood movies um, I was taken to them and loved them. I was always bored if there wasn't... I mean, I'm going so far back, there were sometimes movies that didn't have women in them. They were either silent films or something, and I was bored mm. bored stiff. But, <laughs> but if Carol Lombard or somebody was in, immediately I was intrigued and interested. Uh, Broadway, I suppose I first heard about it, oh, how can you tell? Probably in my early well, probably my yeah before my teens, I mm. think one knew about Broadway. Yeah. Uh, Broadway. Where, were, where were you? Oh, at Oh, I that know point? why I knew Broadway. It was that my sister, who was eight years older than mm. I was, um, we were spent our early years in India. Right.
0: Yeah. Your father was in the Royal Air Force. Is that yes, right? he yeah.
1: was. Thank you. You've yeah. done your research. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes, and he won three DFCs. I have to say. Wow. Uh, well, you can only win it once, but then you get two bars. But he oh, got, okay. He got it, his first DFC and two bars. Oh. But when he came back one day from work, he brought these wonderful scrapbooks, great thick, heavy tomes, and he gave one to each of us. And my sister was collecting movie stars. She had these wonderful photographs. I don't know where she got them from in India, on the northwest frontier. But hmm. anyway, she pasted them into her book and I didn't have any film stars and I was rather upset about that but I found, must have found some magazine, some society magazine like the English Tatler or something and I couldn't read I was too young to read and I thought they were movie stars. And I feverishly cut them out while she was at school and couldn't wait to show her that I'd got all my movie stars. Yeah. But of course, she said, oh, silly, they're not movie stars. They're just society people. And I was, oh. <laughs> I was, she grinned. I was so upset. I'd spoiled my scrapbook. So I guess I knew about Hollywood. And I think all this preamble is that when I was about six years old, I knew about Hollywood and, right. and film stars. Right. And then, of course, we were talking about Broadway, so that right. came a little later.
0: Right, yeah. And what what's it like being on Broadway now?
1: Um, well, it's lovely. It's different. Yeah. Um, from, How so? Um, it's not quite the village that it was. Mm-hmm. I seem to think when I first came to Broadway, it was 1952, um, yeah. all the producers or most of the producers, would assemble at Sardis. They would all eat. They all had their own tables. Moss Hart had his own table right in the center of Sardis. Right. Um, all the other producers had their place at Sardis. And it was a sort of club in a way. And I don't, I'm not sure that it's like that now. Right. Um, and then there was the club for the actors who who didn't go to Sardis because it was a bit more too expensive, but they would go to Downey's. Okay, there yeah. was a place on 8th Avenue called Downey's where the actors who were not quite A-list would, would gather because their photographs were on the walls and things there.
0: Right.
1: Um, and I'm not sure whether there's that sort of camaraderie yeah. now, would you say? I,
0: You know, I think... A lot of people who work in the industry now say that there is quite a lot of camaraderie, especially compared to Hollywood now and as it gets sort of larger and larger. But I do, I would agree that it's certainly true that the industry, the Broadway industry, has grown Mm -hmm. um, and sort of expanded. And while it's still, you know, small and bounded by 12 blocks, it's still uh, there, I think. it is still clubby but are there are more people in the club and you are less likely to know everyone yeah. maybe
1: and also um television hadn't really got a complete hold then yeah. and so if you were an actor uh, you, uh, you, and broadway was your ambition and your aim or oh, maybe hollywood i don't know but it seemed to me that there were stage stars mm-hmm. i don't think there's a stage star now people right. drop in and do a stage show from time to time but it's sort of sometimes it's an afterthought right whereas there was a whole generation several generations of actors who just worked on broadway and they probably only worked in the winter time too because the theaters weren't air conditioned and they used to close in the summers. right Right. And then people, act as if they wanted to go on working, would go on a straw hat circuit or something. Or they would go out to their places in the country in right. New Hope or somewhere like that. Yeah. And Because uh, I remember Moss Hart, when I arrived in New York in 1952, I always say he picked me up out of the gutter and made me empress because he, he did actually bring me to america and oh. for which i am very grateful yeah. i was an understudy in a i just left drama school and i was in a i was an understudy in in a play believe it or not called the gay dog <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was about dog racing okay and the dog in the show was her name or his name, in the play, was Nellie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it gets weirder yeah. and weirder. Yeah. And Nellie was a boy dog. Sure. Um, which, she, of course, she shouldn't have been, but nobody seemed to not pay attention to that or notice it. And it was my job as an understudy to walk him between the acts so that he wouldn't cock his leg on the stage. Oh, yes. yes. So that's what I was you doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was doing when Moss Hart discovered me. <laughs>
0: And, and then did you audition for him? How no, did that I don't I, actually know no. the Well I sort of this.
1: auditioned for him. I was a sort of on the side auditioning. He wanted to cast a young man, a young Englishman, and a young girl, a bit like member of the wedding mm-hmm. girl. Um and but he wanted a girl my age, I was about twenty one, I think. He wanted a girl my age to read with the young men that he was auditioning. So as I was the loose girl at this theater, um, because I was under contract to the theater management, and um, so I was sent along to read at all the auditions. And it took about two weeks, I think, for him to see, to decide on the actor he wanted. And then he decided, and then by the time he decided, he beckoned me over to the footlights and said, You know, I've got so used to seeing you play this part, which was the teenage daughter, right? um, That I I can't think of anyone else doing it. Would you like to come too? So, Uh, how could
0: you say no? How could
1: I say no? So a few weeks later, I was on the first Queen Mary.
0: (laughs) Well, the first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: He bought me a ticket on the first Queen Mary, and I bought a cabin trunk as one had in those days, and I filled it with all my worldly possessions, my sheets my pots and pans my sewing machine because I thought I was coming to New America for good right. um, I just wasn't thinking too far ahead but I had, I, where, where else was I going to leave my stuff so I brought it all with me and he put me up at the um, Henry Hudson Hotel which was not the trendy place that it is now. Sure. But it was wonderful for me because it was the first time I'd ever been in a hotel that had an en suite bathroom. Oh, yeah. Normally, one had to walk down the corridor and knock on the door. And so right. I, was in, I was in hog heaven, as yeah. they say. <laughs> <laughs> but the sad thing is that we had a tour, short tour, um, Wilmington, Philadelphia, Washington. Uh, we were the first interracial... Cash to play Washington. Equity had closed the theater down because wow. it wouldn't allow a, an integrated audience. Wow. And we had a mixed cash race. Uh, Earl, Earl Hyman was in the oh, cast. Yeah, wow. Yes.
0: And this play was called The Climate of Eden. Is that, yes, what, is that the one? Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: And it all took place in British Guiana. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And um, so, anyway, that was the tour. And then we came into the Martin Beck, Beck and sank.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> it only ran for two weeks. Right. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but well, I'd got my taste. I'd had my bite. I got my taste of America and New York. And so I had to go back because I was under contract oh, right, right. to um, Binky Beaumont, who was a impresario. And uh, I can think about five years later, I had joined the old Vic, mm-hmm, and they right. came over. Right. And I came with them. In Troilus and Cressida, I think it was, and we played the Winter Garden. And then I thought when they went back, I said, I'm this I'm
0: not going this time. I'm right. I'm digging my toes in. Yeah, yeah. And you're here now doing uh you've been in My Fair Lady for several months now actually. You joined yes, I believe in September. I joined the
1: cast in um September, right. I think it was. Yeah. Yes. I, and now time flies. I can't believe that it's it's coming, you know. It'll be a year. Yeah. Who would have Who would have thought it?
0: And you're playing a part you've played twice before, in some version or other. Um, you've, you've
1: actually t- twice. Is it more? T- no, twice before. I have played Eliza as well. Sure. But I've played Mrs. Higgins twice. Eliza
0: in Pygmalion. Eliza in
1: oh lady. no 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 i can't sing
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. yes mrs higgins is not a role that requires singing no it's, true, it's yes.
1: i think it's the only non-singing role there probably yeah. is in a musical there may be others I should, there I thought, are a few others i ought to yeah. ferret them out yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that'll be your next role no, <laughs> yeah. i've
1: got my taste i love being in a musical oh yeah why oh it's wonderful mm. it's a it's the ensemble and and, and all this, the, what is it, put-ins, I'm learning yes, all the sure. new That's,
0: jargon. Yeah, you had to have a put-in rehearsal for listeners who maybe don't know what a put-in is. I mean, this is, because yes. the show is ongoing and so yes. you can't stop the show to no. rehearse new and cast members. Shuffled, and...
1: They shuffle the characters around like a pack of cards yep. and you never <laughs> quite know who's on next, what's on first. And, right. and the audience are never disappointed because mm-hmm. whoever is taking somebody else's place is wonderful. So I have I'm just filled with admiration.
0: Was it a nerve-wracking process? Sort of, uh, you know, catching up with uh, Well, to
1: begin with, it was, yes it was about as frightening as anything can be because it was like trying to get on an express train while it was moving. (laughs) But they were very sweet and gave me time Mm. and I did have a put-in. And so, you know, the rest rest is history, I suppose you could say. But what I, I think I did say to someone I thought now Rosemary don't worry about this you've been around the block you know we've had these awful nightmares where you wake you're in a dream that you haven't right. worked on your part you, you don't know what the script is. You know, the you actor's know. nightmare right? Yes yeah. exactly and I said this is not going to be the actor's nightmare <laughs> I am going to be prepared, I am going to know my words. So I made absolutely sure that I thought, if I know my words, what else can go wrong? Well, nothing touch wood has yeah. gone yeah. wrong. But what threw me a little bit was that I'd been in plays where there was furniture and things like that. And mm. my first entrance, there was no furniture. And I wasn't quite oh. sure why I was walking in one direction or the other.
0: Yeah, it's a bare stage when you come out.
1: <laughs> and there was no furniture. Because they always say, if you know the words, then, and don't bump into the furniture. But there wasn't any furniture to bump into. <laughs> So that was a little alarming but yeah. um i thought i know my words and the worst the worst can't happen yeah. and it didn't and and i'm just so happy i'm still mm. working on it mm. um i find it fascinating and mm. i i love it i have it turned up in my dressing room full full blast in my dressing room. oh the
0: the speaker for the what's yes. going on on stage yeah, yeah. But i
1: love listening to it every night yeah and then I go out and watch on the monitor the... Have mm-hmm. you seen the show? Yes, oh, yes. so you know course. what I'm talking yeah. about. That wonderful get me to the church. Uh-huh, oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and quite often I creep out of my dressing room and watch it yeah. on the monitor because it just makes me laugh and chuckle yeah. so much. And yeah. everyone is wonderful.
0: Yeah. We we talked a little bit about how you think Broadway has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like has been constant?
1: Um. Well, it's... Compared to the West End,
0: Hmm.
1: it's partly to do with real estate. You know, in in the West End, the theaters are all so spread apart that you don't have that sense of a village. Um, The wonderful thing is the closeness of all these theaters, cheek by jowl, um, crushed together. And that adds a kind of atmosphere, a sort of vivacity in the air. Uh, which in the in the, in England it's all rather spread out, and I find that different. But um,
0: what was your question? Oh, like, I was just wondering <laughs> what had remained the same uh, over the years. Well, with Broadway I think that, I think I mean that's part think, of it, of course. I
1: think just just
0: you know, the, Broadway, the
1: proximity, and yeah. I was in. Um, Um, Lost in Yonkers for a while I -hmm. took over from Irene Worth, and those two kids that were in that they were really what you call Broadway babies they just went on and on and on and they were wonderful whereas in England I did it in England and Mm -hmm. they had to keep changing the Mm -hmm. young actors because of the labor laws they weren't allowed to work for more than so many weeks or And, but there's none of that. I mean, a kid gets into a show, he's going to stick with it for, you know, yeah. until he gets too old to play it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of a lovely feeling, I think.
0: I'll be back with more from Rosemary Harris right after this. Theatregoers, you should know that City National Bank is Broadway's bank. Since 1954, City National has been passionate about the performing arts and is proud to be the official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, the role of a lifetime. City National spotlights relationships. In fact, to them, financial success is not about who you know, but how well they know you. From business to personal banking, they're your single financial source. Find out how City National is the way up for Broadway at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada. And we're back with more from the Tony-winning Rosemary Harris. Do you consider yourself an actor who espouses a certain technique? Are you? A, uh, I don't know. Um, do you consider yourself a method actor, or a, or? Uh, kind no, of
1: deed? I'm. I'm. I'm still. I'm still working on it. I'm still <laughs> learning. Um. Uh, I don't know. I had a wonderful teacher. Mm-hmm. I did go to drama school for a yes, year. Yes, at the
0: Royal Academy yes, of Dramatic I'd, Arts.
1: I'd, yeah. I'd, been, I'd been in the theater without going to drama school. I got a job in a local little theater company, mm-hmm. just got paid my bus fares and right. gradually worked. And monthly. where was this? Was this in London? Or No, in... no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was living with my grandmother and okay. great aunt, and they lived near a little seaside town in England called Bognor Regis, Okay, and right. it had a pier. Hmm. And on the pier was a theater called the Roof Garden Theater. And that's where I got my first jobs. Yeah. But I just got paid bus my bus fares. Wow. And it started with small parts. It was changing the play every week.
0: Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it right. was,
1: it was, But I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And then I gradually worked my way up. I never left one job till I got another. Sure. And then the next job I got was in Bedford. And that was twice nightly. Weekly rep, we did the play twice a night, wow, a different play every week, but one got paid twice as much, <laughs> so that was that was good, <laughs> yeah. but all this was happening. you had to provide your own costumes, all yeah. your own clothes. There was no wardrobe mistress or wardrobe or anything, mm. and I kept on doing that for quite a while, went to Margate and then Eastbourne and mm. different places, each time going up the ladder a little bit,, yeah. and when the final thing was i was at a theater in Margate and it was about to close up and the man who ran the theater wanted to put on Hamlet mm. and he p- wanted to play Hamlet and he hired a young actor from London. I was, I was a bit disappointed because I thought, well, maybe I was the, sort of, the resident juvenile and that I would get to play Ophelia, but sure. I didn't. I, my nose was pushed out of joint and a girl came down from a drama school and i was given the player queen which was a nice part but it wasn't ophelia but the luck was that the young actor that had been hired to play the player king had just won the gold medal at rada Ah. and we talked of course in the wings and chatted away and he said you know you really ought to go to drama school you ought to go to rada and I said I'd never really thought of it, but he said, "Well, I'll talk to Sir Kenneth Barnes," and he said, "I think you should go." Sir Kenneth was the principal. Yeah, right. So I got an interview with Sir Kenneth Barnes, and um, not an aud. Well, I guess I did an audition, and I had plenty of parts to choose from. You know, I'd done lots of roles, so I just trotted out my (laughs) (laughs) quite different parts, and I did them for him, and he accepted me. Right. And the next thing I knew, I was at RADA.
0: And what did you learn there that you've carried with you uh, at RADA. to this day? Yeah, or in sort of early well, in your I'm days as to you that. were teaching. I'd yeah, the, the teacher garden. that you were Well, the first with. thing yeah. was voice.
1: Uh, you know, I, oh, hadn't, uh-huh, yeah. I hadn't had any voice training. Right. And I didn't know anything about voice training or rib, rib, rib reserve or yeah. how to breathe or anything like that. And that was very important. And I would practice all my voice exercises in the train. It was an hour and 40 minutes to go to Rado from my grandmother's house. And wow. I would come back on the train at night with an empty carriage and I would sit there doing my voice exercises, <laughs> frightening away anybody else who might want to get in the carriage. Mm. But the other thing was there was a wonderful teacher there. The last play I did, her name was Mary Duff. Mm. And... She taught me really everything I knew. She was extraordinary. Mm. And I try and pass on the things that she taught me. Um, and then when we left, we all kind of left, and she said, now you all think you know everything, but if you ever want to work with me, just remember my phone number is Bayswater 4962. And that stuck in my you mind. still remember, yeah. And yeah. so... About a couple of years later, um, I guess it was after. I'm getting all mixed up now, but I think it was after I'd been on Broadway. Yeah, mm, okay. you know, and then yeah. I'd gone back, and I got. Oh, that's right. I went back to England, and I got cast in the Seven Year Itch ah. for my sins, <laughs> and it ran a year, and I was totally miserable. Oh. I it was a boulevard comedy, and I wanted to be a classical play. I wanted to hold. Peggy Ashcroft's train, I just, I was miserable. Mm. But it was a big success, and I eventually yeah. got out of it. And I went to Bristol, Old Vic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Got hired for a year, but the first play was Shakespeare, was Much Ado About Nothing. Well, right. I hadn't done any Shakespeare in the time, oh. short time I'd been at RADA. And suddenly Bayswater 4962 <laughs> came flashing into my mind. And I called her up, and I said, Could you help me, Miss Duff? And she was amazing, huh. and her people used to say what was her method. And I said yeah. it was the wing chair method. <laughs> she would sit in a wing chair with her back to the window, and I. She lived in a sort of five flight walk up in mm. Bayswater, a little attic flat right at the top. And uh, I would sit on a footstool at her feet, and she would simply say, "Say it like this." Wow. And that's how I I got to play Beatrice, in, in, you know she she gave me my Beatrice, and then there were three Shakespeare players. There was the Merchant of Venice, and also uh, the Winter's Tale. So she, I, she helped me with all of those. So I used to sometimes put in my program that I work with Mary Duff whenever geography permits, because right. of course she was in England and I was here. Yeah. But I worked with her with everything I could could manage to. And what... She was brilliant. She was, And she used to say she had this gift and she said I wish producers would hire me because I could read plays to them and they would know whether they wanted to produce that play or not. But she, she was, wasn't an actor herself? No, she was I suppose maybe you could say a little neurotic. She was a mm. brilliant piano p- piano player mm. and could have been a concert pianist but she had nerves and things like that. Right. And um, wow. she never did she taught at RADA she was right. a drama teacher but she never actually professionally um, although and I invited her over to Canada when I had a television show to do there and I invited her over to come and she came over on the ship yeah. with oh, her yeah. budgerigar with her oh, love, love bird. little bird yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and I got her a part in this little television show okay. that I was doing play that I was doing but that's the only time I think she ever acted professionally oh, right. but
0: she was extraordinary and she, it sounds, the way you describe it, it sounds a little bit like she was giving you line readings. And yet it was oh, also, she was. but it was also teaching. Oh, you were she, also obviously oh, she learning. Was. She was I teaching mean, you to I fish did, while handing you the fish. No, it, the, it, I tried to be brain. a
1: parrot. I yeah. Literally. But then tried. what did
0: you, how did you extrapolate that then? Make it She gives own. Exactly. Like she gives you a Beatrice and then how do you use that with your well, next? Well, I
1: guess I would just take it think, home and, and do it to the bathroom mirror. Yeah. And I was always a little bit shy maybe of doing it in front of her. Uh-huh. When you're imitating somebody, you feel right. a little self-conscious. But when I was alone in the bathroom, in the bathroom mirror, <laughs> I was, you know, it, it was yeah. no problem at all. Yeah. So I always, you know, when someone says, oh, a director mustn't give you a line reading, it's a wonderful shorthand mm. because you can get, you understand. The other thing she always said was, don't give me dictionary meanings of words. Mm. She said people think that they just because they say the words, that the audience will understand. But it, the tone mm. that you say something in right. that conveys the meaning, she was always going on about the tone. And I was explaining this to her. A friend of mine and I was, she was Ukrainian and I was saying tone, tone counts, tone counts and then she'd say, Well of course tone counts. Ask any dog <laughs> because you can yeah. say right. um, bad dog, bad dog, bad dog and he'll right. run around wagging his tail you yeah. know. Right. And so it is the tone that yeah. conveys the meaning. So if I ever do any teaching, which is not very often, mm. I always stress what tone are you going to
0: use? Mm. Right. And
1: I think that's important.
0: Do you find that acting has changed over the years in terms of how people approach it and how they study it? Have you noticed? Um,
1: yes, I think certainly I think English actors have become much better film actors because um. they didn't have a lot of practice in the 30s, right. 20s and 30s. And people's accents are getting awfully good. Mm. American actors are getting awfully good, at the mm. English accents, and vice versa, yeah. which wasn't originally you know but I think that that has changed
0: yeah yeah. what do you consider your most memorable stage role 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 yeah
1: Mm, there's such a lot Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I guess I think I felt that I'd really made it when I played Ileana opposite Sir Lawrence Mm -hmm. Olivia Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I really don't need to push myself anymore. <laughs> 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 I think I've, I've. Is it acme? Is that a word? I think I've. Yeah. <clears throat> and I loved doing it so much. It was a wonderful production of Uncle Vanya.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: I was so proud of myself that he had chosen me. Right. I think that was what thrilled me more than anything.
0: Right. Yeah. How have you found? You've done a lot of film and TV as well. How have you found that your uh, screen work kind of overlaps and fits in with your stage work? Do you?
1: Oh well, I... it's it's it. I realize it is different. I was afraid of films. Mm. Um, I hadn't done any really to speak of. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because I wasn't always the first choice. And by the time anybody got around to asking me to be in a film, I had a theater job, so I wasn't always available. There might have been some parts I might have got, but I didn't get them because I'd already was working. Um, Sorry, what was the question? (laughs) My mind is Uh, racing back. Yeah, Um,
0: well, just sort of how you found your work on screen. Oh, that's right. Well, I
1: was self-conscious. I must admit I was self-conscious to start Mm. with. I I wasn't sure that I liked that camera pointing at me. Um, And I wanted to say, well, if you could turn it away the other way, (laughs) I think I'd feel much happier. Mm. I never felt shy in front of an audience. I just, Mm. I think actors don't. They just suddenly feel. Partly because when I started, there were floodlights. Footlights.
0: Footlights, right. And it was
1: this wonderful curtain of light that you couldn't see the audience at all. So you And it was more than just not seeing the audience. There was this veiled golden curtain that you wanted to project through. Mm. It was psychological that you wanted you wanted to reach them. I think young actors miss that today. They don't always want to connect with the
0: audience. I imagine you can see a fair amount of a fair number of the audience in at Lincoln Center.
1: Well, I don't because I guess I'm lucky enough but there's always a spotlight on me. Yeah, oh
0: <laughs> right, sure, I guess I You makes know sense. the people yeah.
1: who work almost the hardness in the show are the I think they are, are the five spot operators. Yeah, people. sure. And that's what's so magical about the production is that it is has all this depth. And Mm. that when anybody has anything important to say, they're always lit. Right. And, of course, when you're lit, you can't see the audience. Yeah. But also the other thing, I think, was that I've done so much theater that I feel like a, I think I've said this before, I feel like a a theater animal. Mm. And I've grown gills (laughs) in my neck and I breathe in a certain way. But when I'm doing a film, I'm like a sea animal on land. I'm not quite sure of myself.
0: Right.
1: But Jennifer's helped me a great deal because I think the younger generations just automatically—I mean, I think it's instinctive in them. Mm. Um, although I think she, I think she's a wonderful film actress and a wonderful stage actress. Mm. I mean, she she's got it both. But I think younger—it's like kids today with their computer. with the iPhones. You know, sure. they just know how to do it. Yeah. I think, uh, what Jennifer did her first TV series in England called The Camomile Lawn, and I remember a lovely actor looking at her and Toby Stevens, Maggie mm. Smith's son. Yeah. They were playing opposite each other. They were it was their first job after leaving drama school. Wow. And he said, there's I, there was talking about himself, there was I and I'd done films and theatre for years and years and years and, and but he said these two young actors, they were like little ducks and the pond was there and they just hmm. hopped into into the pond, wagged their tails and went quacking away across the pond yeah. and they'd never done any filming or anything, but they was just it just was natural to them. Hmm. It's interesting.
0: How did your parents react when you told them that you wanted to be an actor and how did that how similar or different was that to your own reaction when jennifer told you that she wanted to pursue acting
1: well my i didn't have my i was i was by the time i went to rada my mother was i had lost my my mm. mother died when i was 14 mm. and she never dreamed that i would be an actress that never came up and yeah. my father i think i was estranged from my father but i think he he knew that i had gone to rada Because I, there was something when he died, because he died in 1952, my mother died in 1942, Mm. Um, but someone told me in his wallet he had a little press cutting saying that I had won a a medal at RADA. So he was obviously proud of me, but we never really talked about it because we we weren't very close.
0: And then when Jennifer said, I'm interested in pursuing... Oh,
1: yes. Well, what did that you think? Was quite different. No, well, she just... I, my husband, my wonderful husband, John Ely, yeah. was a wonderful, wonderful writer. And Jennifer, as a young thing, used to write a lot. She was always scribbling stories and things. And So I assumed that she'd follow in his footsteps. And she was about 15 when she came into the room one day and said, Mom, I want to be an actress. And I said, Why? Why would you want to be an actress? <laughs> And she said, why wouldn't I? I have so mu- You have so much fun. So I couldn't deny that. So yeah. I said, all right, then go for it. Wow. And she did, and, and yeah. um, there we are. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah.
0: How long do you uh, plan to be in My Fair Lady? for?
1: Uh, that's a, I don't know. My crystal ball isn't telling mm. me. Of um, right. course, I don't know how long the show is going to run. Yeah. Um, I'd like to stay in it forever. <laughs> yeah, are you enjoying it? <laughs> I so, am. I yeah. love
0: it. Yeah. Yes. And do you know what's next for you after that yet, or not, not
1: really? Yeah. Well, never. I, I mean, I've never known what what was coming next. Uh, there, there is a possible film, mm. um, which I thought I would be leaving my fair lady to do, um, mm. but I, I guess I won't talk about it because it it hasn't happened, and I think it's been postponed. Mm. So I, I probably shouldn't talk about it. But that's what I was going to be doing. But that's off the off the chart now for mm. the moment. So I'd like to stay in My Fair Lady yeah. uh, longer. But at some point, I do have to go back to base camp. I have to go back to North Carolina ah. and sort things out. Yeah. Because I've just turned the key in the door and come up here. And come up here and drop everything to be in. And yeah. my husband and I... Had lived in that house for fifty, fifty years, oh, yeah. and it was filled with stuff, yeah. which has got to be dealt with
0: yeah.
1: <clears throat> at some point. But I shall move up here yeah. and live here because it's near Jennifer, yeah. of course.
0: And then presumably you will be now close enough that Broadway will become—you'll be a regular on Broadway. Again, well,
1: be, I hope. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around, but <laughs> I would hope so. Have some. Other jobs waiting yeah. in the wings would be fun. Are
0: there any roles that you haven't yet played that you would love to?
1: Oh well, there are a lot that have gone by me, mm. of course. Um, I'm, I'm, there are not many parts left for a woman my age. Mm. Um, of course, I could contemplate playing a man, like like sure, Glenda, like Glenda, yeah. <laughs> I have to think. Are there any men's roles? But mm-hmm. um, no, I don't. don't Well, there have been lots that I would like to have done, but I couldn't fit them in. Right,
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I suspect we'll be seeing you. I can
1: think of them them in my mind sometimes.
0: Well, I suspect we'll be seeing you in something else on Broadway sometimes. You're Lear any minute now, I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank uh, you very much, Rosemary. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you,
1: Gordon. That was fun.
0: That was Rosemary Harris, recipient of a 2019 Special Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in the Theatre, and now starring in Lincoln Center Theater's Broadway revival of My Fair Lady. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe there or on your podcaster of choice. And calling all podcast fans, I'll be in Nashville from May 31st through June 2nd for the first PodX Conference bringing together your favorite networks, podcasters, and podcasts, all in one weekend. I'll be back with another new episode next week, but until then, see you at the theater. With an unrivaled passion for the performing arts, City National Bank is the way up for Broadway. With a 65-year commitment to the entertainment industry, they have unique insight that other banks do not. Center stage, backstage, off stage, City National works behind the scenes, helping others to elevate their performance the official bank of the 2019 Tony Awards, City National proudly backs Broadway and all of its supporting casts. Get to know them better at cnb.com. That's cnb.com. City National Bank, member FDIC, is a subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada.